Father, this morning we just come to you. Prepare our hearts, our minds, O Lord, to hear your word and to celebrate at the end your death and your resurrection through the emblems that you have given us. Give us hearing ears. Give us patience. Give us, Lord, to endure the word so that the word will help us to endure the trials that we go through that are coming upon the whole earth. Spirit of God, we just surrender our minds this morning. Do your work in us. Change us. Change us constantly. Help us to put away those thoughts, ideas, imaginations that are not in accordance with your word and replace it with your truth so that we may walk in that freedom which your son bought for us on the cross. Let this month be a month where we constantly judge ourselves. And walk in the liberty of the Holy Spirit. That at the end of the month we will be able to look back amazed and know God has worked in our lives. Speak to us even this morning, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we are going to a very familiar, very, very familiar portion of scripture or a miracle of Jesus, which we have looked from the gospel according to John, but today we are looking at from Matthew chapter 14. We'll read from verse 13 to 21. When Jesus heard it, I'll give you the context. What Jesus heard was John was killed. His head was cut off. Disciples came and took the body. They buried John. Jesus got the news. The forerunner, the one, the voice in the wilderness who was proclaiming about his coming is dead. Jesus heard it. He departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. Okay? Jesus, we do not have a high priest who is not touched, untouched by feelings like us. He's grieving over John. He knows John died. Because of him. So he went to a deserted place to grieve. But that's a problem with ministry. Ministers are never allowed to grieve. The multitudes followed him. They heard it and they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them. And healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed 
and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of the frag- fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. It's hardly any Christian who doesn't know this miracle. And this miracle is, is different the way God has put it. Because as far as my understanding goes, and I think I'm right, there are only two miracles recorded in all four Gospels. All four Gospels, only two miracles. One is a miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the other is the feeding of the 5,000. So if God in his supernatural wisdom through the Holy Spirit spoke to four different gospel writers and told them all to record this one, then there is something incredibly significant about this than all the other miracles except the resurrection. Okay, there are so many miracles in the Bible of Jesus. I think around 43 or 52 miracles are there recorded. He did much more. All are not recorded, but two are recorded. The resurrection of Jesus Christ in all four Gospels and the feeding of 5,000. These crowds had been following Jesus and we see now they are hungry. When they are hungry, the disciples don't know what to do. Okay. Jesus and the Father allow situations like this to see what the disciples would do. And the disciples' response is our response. Send them away. Remember the Canaanite woman was after them saying, please, please, please. What was their answer? Send her away. That's what we do when our problems, troubles come which we can't handle. We wish they would just go away. But like hunger, they don't go away. Can you wish your hunger away? No. It doesn't go away. So Jesus said, what Jesus is saying, you can send them away, but you will send them away hungry. You can't wish hunger away. Let's feed them. In John chapter 6, the same portion, miracle in verse 6, Scripture says, this he said to test them. It was a test. He's mourned over John. He multitudes have followed him into the desert, into the deserted place. And they are all hungry. They were with him the whole day. They are hungry. They want to send them away. And Jesus said, let's feed them. It was a test. Today is the 1st of October. And for many, heads of the households, the test has begun. We need bread. Everybody knows. All of last week was holidays. Tomorrow is a holiday. Then salaries have to be paid. Bills have to be paid. Needs have to be met. That's why every employee loves February. Because it has only 28 days. That means salary comes in faster. It's a test. Every beginning of the month is a test. 
It's a test only for those who live by faith. But it is a test. And God was testing them. There's an enormous need over here. Let's meet the need. You may be facing, I don't know how many bills you are facing this month. And it's a test. And you're wishing those bills would just go away. Remember, Israel had failed repeatedly in the desert over this test. When it came to bread and water, the primary basic need of every human being is bread and water. And they had failed in this test. When we see miracles, we get excited. When we see the power of God, we get excited. When the enemies are swallowed by the water, you start dancing and jumping. Then scripture says, they went into the desert. Exodus 16, scripture says, the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. What are they saying? We would have preferred to die in Egypt with a full stomach than die in the wilderness with an empty stomach. What are they thinking with? Their stomach. So freedom, liberty from slavery, all these things make no difference. This is our major issue. We don't understand the gospel. The gospel is freedom from the slavery of sin. Freedom from the oppression of the enemy. But we don't value it because we are always looking and thinking with our stomach. And when they were brought to this, God knew what he was doing. He brought them there. He knew exactly what he was doing. And it was a test for them as it was a test for the disciples. Disciples faced with the test, what did they say? Sent them away. What did Israel say? We wish we had died in Egypt. Years later, through Moses, God will tell their children, the next generation, how their fathers had failed the bread test. He will tell them in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply, go in and possess the land. Which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. He's telling you, you were children then, you didn't understand the attitude of your fathers. And I'm hoping, he say you haven't picked the attitude of your fathers. Instead, you saw my, me, how I took care of your fathers and I took care of your children. Now you are all grown. All of you are at least 40 years old. Everybody is 40 or above. 40 years in the wilderness. You were children then. Some of you may, may have been born in the desert, so you could be younger than 40 also. These 40 years in the wilderness, he led you to humble you and to test you. To know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He said, I was, I brought you into this wilderness, to this deserted place. For what? To humble you and to test you. How did I test you? I allowed you to hunger. 
cost you to hunger hunger will decide who you are i cost you to hunger i made you hungry and then when you were hungry and cried out to me because you had in your mind what you wanted when we are hungry for anything we already have in our mind what we want but god gives us something else i gave you manna which you did not know nor your fathers no i gave you something which actually met your need but not your want to know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the lord every word that proceeds from the mouth of the lord that was the purpose first sunday of october god wants us to take a fresh look at how we look at life because life is more than bread more than bread god will test his children if he tested israel when he brought them out of egypt if he tested his disciples and he constantly tested his people connected with bread how do we handle this fundamental symbol of life bread and water as with israel in the desert you need to know that trouble for jesus ministry also started after this miracle When the trouble start for Moses in the desert over bread and water that's where trouble began When the trouble begin for Jesus over the feeding of the 5000 He fed them all and they got excited They all got excited They all started jumping into boats and following him wherever he went and he said You are following me for bread following me for bread said so you didn't get the message the bread is a sign but i am trying to tell you something greater what is it in john 6 and verse 51 i am the living bread which came down from heaven if anyone eats of this bread he will live forever and the bread that i shall give is my flesh which shall give for the life of the world is that did you get what i said they were upset they were upset very upset will you be upset if there is no snacks after service i didn't come for a two hour word i came for that snacks i tolerate that two hour word because i know at the end there will be snacks verse 58 This is the bread which came down from heaven not as your fathers ate manna and are dead who eats this bread will live forever will live forever we would have thought that they would be so excited because now he has given them and fed them physical bread and he is offering them spiritual life they were offended in verse 60 they said This is a hard teaching, hard saying. Who can understand it? Don't don't get too theological, Jesus. Please stick to basic level. Give us some sign and wonders, multiply some bread and fried fish. Just stick to that. Don't talk this 
eternal life and no you will never die come down come down this is too hard a teaching verse 66 says over this miracle and the teaching of that miracle from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more so trouble for moses in the desert over bread trouble for jesus over bread why is this so important are we getting what jesus was trying to tell them why is it so important because jesus the book of revelation talks about and we know everything that we are living in is preparing us both sides god and the devil is preparing us for that day in revelation chapter 13 verses 16 to 18 he causes all both small and great rich and poor free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand on their foreheads and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name ultimately you cannot have bread unless you have the mark one day the world will be divided into two groups those who went after bread and those who went after the bread from heaven two groups bread will divide this universe into two this world into two and god says both are working towards that he through the constant ministry and the conviction of the word and the conviction of the holy spirit is preparing a people who will live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god and the antichrist through his economic system is getting people hooked to the hungers of their flesh so that they will take that mark so that the hunger can be satisfied and every technology is basically that including when you go and you are so happy you go stand in the supermarket you go over there he does a light click this thing comes what is the number of the barcode 666 right what is www the worldwide web it is 666 everything is connected to that they are programming us to be dependent upon the system and when the system is completely taken over cashless what was demonetization about it was not about corruption it was not about black money it was not about the economy it was about the antichrist because if you can do it in india you can do it anywhere because this is the largest population in the world if it's successful in india we can do it anywhere in the world these people are not looking at india they are part of a worldwide operation to get the antichrist in place and god says one day i will divide the world into two over bread that's why this miracle alone is there in four gospels four gospels that's why we focus on the word of god so when that hour or the day comes at least that day you stand up and say yes i roam but pastor james and pastor with a drummed it into your hands no i don't want the mark i will die at least then realize what they are preparing us for now are they selling the chip in us and advertising it the ease and the comfort everything are they doing how many thousands and thousands have already taken it in their hands go to your office Go to the supermarket. Yes. You want to do a transaction in a super everywhere the chip works. How easy it is. How easy it is to get bread. How easy it is. Do you know why he put this over there? Because he knows the day and the hour is coming. So the crowds followed him for bread and Jesus was not impressed. 
Jesus said in 6, verse 26 and 27, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the sign. You didn't understand what I was saying. You saw the miracle, but you didn't see the sign. But because you ate of the loaves and were filled. He said, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Don't labor. He says, don't labor. The purpose of the sign was to draw us to Jesus. But people were hungry for miracles, not for Jesus. And when he's talked about life that comes from above, the crowds walked away. John 6 and verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. Never hunger. They say, yeah, but we are still feeling hungry. It's like Nicodemus, unless you're born again, how can I be born again? Well, you fed us yesterday, today we are hungry. What are you saying that? You will never be hungry, he says. You're thinking with your stomach and not with your spirit. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Shall never thirst. Are we hungry? There's a real story told about a woman who was overweight and she lost around, I'm, I'm putting in Indian terms, lost around 20, 30 kilos. She was a well-to-do woman. She went on a diet plan or whatever. She lost 30 kilos. So all her clothes became small for her. So she put an ad in the local newspaper saying, lost 30 kilos, selling all my clothes. These are the sizes, all fashionable and of good labor, good brands. She said she was bombarded with the calls. What do you think everybody who called asked for? Not about the clothes. They all wanted to know, how did you lose weight? How did you lose weight? How do we become hungry for Jesus? How do we make others hungry for Jesus? Remember that incident? We are, we are good theologians. We know scripture very well over years of study. But remember that incident in John chapter 4 with the Samaritan woman? She had come for water midday. What did he do? He looks at her and says, this lady is coming for water. He used bread. He uses bread and water there. Okay, you have to look at it. What did he do? He used bread, that is the hunger of his disciples, bread to send them away. And use water to draw her in. I'm not telling. For his disciples had gone to the city to buy bread. He sent them away. You are hungry? Go buy bread. She's thirsty? You come to me. He uses these symbols in the Bible. Okay? He drew her with water and sent them for bread. She had come to the well. That was her basic necessity. Basic, I want water. But her greater need was something else. Something else. He used something that is basic to all of us to draw her to her real need. And he puts it beautifully. John chapter 4. Jesus answered and said to her, 
Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. He said, you have come to Jacob's well. You have come to draw water. You drink this water, you will have to come back again. Tomorrow, you will always thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water I shall give him will never thirst. But instead, the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Let me ask you, are you still thirsty? Are you thirsty for food? Thirsty for things of the world? Thirsty for shopping? Thirsty for entertainment? Thirsty, thirsty for your spouse's love? Children's appreciation? Are you thirsty? Then you haven't really drunk from that well. Because that well makes you content. That well makes you content. Jesus uses something very basic, bread and water, and turns it around and tells, this is what really life is about. This is what he told the crowd too. In John chapter 6, verse 48 and 50, he said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. They're dead. But, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and never die. He telling the woman, you drink this water, you will be thirsty again. But you take the water that I offer you, not only will never thirst again, it will start welling, welling within you to everlasting life. The Samaritan woman, unlike the disciples or the crowds, got it. She got it and she received it. She went beyond the sign to the person of God. John chapter 4 and verse 28 says, The woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come and see, the Messiah is here. That's where Jesus went. We think miracles will change people. No, it's the preaching of the word, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that changes people. All those who went after miracles did not follow him. But people like her to whom he did no miracle or the people in Samaria and got the message and they followed him. So today is the 1st of October. Like I said in the beginning, crowding into a new month. Our first week for most of us who are in, have responsibilities is this my thing. Where do I get bread from? That's why Americans call money as bread. How much bread do you have? He's not asking how many loaves you have at home. He's asking how much money you have. They use, they are very good at this word. Another term they use for money is dough. With this dough you make bread. They say dough, they make bread, they mean money. What do you need money for? To buy bread. So the question Jesus asked, beginning of the month and to this crowd, of people who had followed him, he asked the disciples in Mark chapter 6 and verse 38, he asked this question, how many loaves do you have? What's he asking you this morning? Take an inventory. I did last night. Because first week of every month is problematic if you don't do an inventory with God. Not with yourself. Because he will ask you, Lord, he says, how much do you have? I always tell people, you need to budget. 
Budgeting is not a man's idea. It is God's idea. He budgets. He said, how much do you have? How much do you have? Yes, sir. Five loaves, two fish. He's not saying, oh, terrible people, only five. How come you didn't bring a back beach when you came with me from the town? He's only asking, how much do you have? Five loaves, two fish. Remember Elijah and the widow? First Kings chapter 17. As the Lord your lives, he said, give me a little water. She went to get water. She had water. He said, okay, <laughs> give you a little bread also. When she rushed to get water, it's easy to give water than bread, right? Water you draw from somewhere. Bread you need money to get it, to buy it, to make it. He said, get me bread. She stopped, said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. She didn't say, as the Lord my God lives. She looks at him and says, your God, my God, different. Okay? As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. That's what happens all over India. Uh, just, they don't even eat. They can't even pay the loan, the farmer. He goes and dies. That's why we have to preach the gospel to them so that they don't die. Because the bread from heaven has come down. No one needs to die for lack of bread again. What did he tell her? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Make, give it away. You also eat, give it to him. And I promise you, he will say, you won't lack. Matthew 14, verse 17 and 18. They said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. What did he say? Bring them here to me. What is the first step? On October 1st, every day of your life, whatever little you have in your hand, it doesn't matter. Your prayer life may be very little. You may not have learned to pray like Sammy or Vijay or Sister Elsa. It doesn't matter. God is not looking at how well you pray. He's just looking at how little you pray. He says, give it to my hands. Give it to my hands. Your word life may be very little. Doesn't matter. Your intelligence may be very little. Doesn't matter. The resources you have in your hand may be very little. Doesn't matter. Jesus says, give it to me. Bring it to me. The first step is bring it to him. And the first step is the most difficult step. Did you bring it is Jesus, God faithfully. Have you been bringing it regularly to God? Because that's what the poor widow was challenged to do. Today is the first Sunday. I don't know. Have you brought faithfully? Or saying, no Lord, I'll meet all my expenses and by 30th I'll wait till what is left and then I can give you. God says, no, I'm telling you. A lot of people think that way. Christians think that way. They look at the little they have and say, Lord, how far is this is going to go? You are God. You don't need this anyway. God says, I know that well. You, I don't need it, but you need to give it to me so that I can multiply it. I'm not able to do anything with you because you don't bring it to me. 
Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be bread in my house. Bread in my house. Why are churches around the world everywhere struggling for bread? Because the people don't bring their tithes or offerings or whatever faithfully in the beginning to God and say, Lord, we have only this much, but we know, Lord, we trust you. Your hands are big, my hands are small, into your hands. Okay, God says, there will be always bread in my house. He says, test me. There he's testing them. He decided to test them. He says, let us feed them. There's only one way God can be tested. He says, you test me in giving. And I will test you in your giving. It's a test where two people sit. My answer is a test for the examiner. And the examiner puts a test for the one who is writing. Have you ever thought about that? Yes, as a teacher I remember some of the answers that I got was a test for me. I didn't understand. Did I really teach you this? I taught Shakespeare and some of the answer papers Shakespeare must have been turning in his grave. <laughs> God says, test me. Test me. Why? We are faithful. God says in verse 12, all the nations will call you blessed. Give that shall be given unto you. All the world. O Israel. There will be always bread in Israel. There will be always plenty in Israel. My house shall be a house of bread. All the people around will look and say, Wow! The nation of God is so blessed. Why are they blessed? Because their God blesses. Why does the God bless them? Because they are a giving people. They are a giving people. God's ways are not our ways. God says, my church is a holy nation who are not constrained by bread. Their decisions are not based on bread. The church, their decisions are in obedience to the word of God. But that is the first step. What is it? Bring it to him. Take it to him. It doesn't matter how little it is. For the power is not in the bread. The power is in those hands into which you place your little. The power is not in the bread. The power is not even in your giving. The power is in your obedience to the word of God. If your faith doesn't have obedience, that faith is dead. So it doesn't matter. How little it is. Doesn't matter. When you put your little into his hands, take a good look at his hands. Take a real good look at those hands. That's why Romans 8 and verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us 
all things. Take a good look at his hands when you put your offerings. See it with eyes of faith. You're not putting your money into a bag carried by Johan or Andrew or John or no. You're putting it into a nail pierced hands. That's what God is saying. Did you look at the hands into which you put it there? If those, if my father wouldn't spare me for you, what are you worrying about? What are you worrying about? Don't stumble at the first step. Many believers, Christians, stumble at the first step. Put it into his hands. Bring it to me, he said. There's only five loaves to fish. He said, no problem, bring it to me. I'm only asking, how do you? I didn't ask, how much do you have? Oh, only that little? No, that's enough. That's enough. Put your little prayer life into God's hands. Your little faith into God's hands. Your little money into your hands. Your little talents into God's hands. Put it into his hands. And see what he will do. Step one. Where many stumble. Those who cross step one. We come to step two. What is step two? John chapter six. Verse ten. Make the people sit down. Sit down. What does it mean? Stop worrying. Sit down. Sit. The most difficult thing for people to do when they have bills to pay, sit down. Mark, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Sit down. What to eat? What to drink? He says sit down. And not just sit down. After sitting down, he says in verse 26, look up. Take a look up. He's giving us real practical lessons, which we need to do. Difficult in a city, if you look up, you only see terraces. But he's using a country metaphor. He says look up. What do you see? Birds of the air. Do they lack? Do they worry? Do they worry about provision? Do they worry where the next meal is coming from? Take, take a look up. He says, take a look up. Your heavenly father. The birds don't call him father. Your father feeds them. That's what the prodigal son came to his senses. He said, you know what? My father feeds his servants. The servants in my father's house eat full meals. And I'm a son sitting with the pigs. I'm getting up and going to my father's house. That's what he's saying. Your father feeds all these birds. And you're worried? He says, look up. Not only that. Next verse. Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. What he says? Look around. All of creation is sustained by your father. All of creation is sustained by your father. Look around. Learn from the rest of creation, he says. Verse 31 and 32, he says, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? What happens if you worry about these things? Because who runs after these things? 
Gentile. Those who do not know God as their father, thereafter this, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? In both or either ways. Either they don't have or they have too much. What shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? But he says, you are children of a father. What do the children of the father do? What does he say in verse 33? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The bread was a sign of his kingdom and his righteousness. He says, sit down. What does it mean? Seek first the kingdom of God. That's why we have been training you for 10 years to sit down. Listen to the word of God that will sustain you for a week. And come back in the middle of the the week. Come back and be trained in the word of God so that you don't go after what the pagans go after. That he will fulfill God's purpose in your life. Because what he offers you through his word is life from above. Righteousness is found in his word. Imparted to us by his spirit. That's how you sit down. Step two. Sit down. Luke chapter 10 verses 38 and 39. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha. So she's the head of the family. The parents are not mentioned. Probably parents are dead. Two sisters and a brother. She's the eldest. Welcomed her, him into her house. There are a lot of people like Martha. They will open their homes and their hearts for God. Come. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his two sisters. One opened. Come Lord. Disciples come and she's busy in the house getting bread for him while Mary sat at his feet. Can we sit at his feet? Or just open our hearts, our homes for Jesus but not sit at his feet? Because they are agitated by bread. Luke chapter 10 verse 40. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, Lord, you do not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. Now he's putting, not only my sister doesn't care for me, you also don't care for me. I'm working for bread here. She's not able to sit at his feet. She came to him. She opened her house to him. She invited him and the disciples, but she's unable to sit. Many Christians like that. They may even have Bible studies in their own home. That's what mainline churches all cottage meeting, cottage meeting, cottage meeting, cottage meeting. But we will not sit at his feet. Cottage meeting, first thing is that, um, Reverend, how many people are coming? Maybe 25. I have to get snacks. What are they worrying about? Bread. That's Martha. Why didn't you call the reverend and say, Pastor, I will just give chai. I'll give you juice, I'll buy it. But I'm going to sit down and listen to your word. You think the pastor will say, no, I, have come, I am coming for the bread. <laughs> I don't want you to. <laughs> no, he will say, I'm happy. I'm so happy. I finally heard from somebody who says, I'm not going to serve. I'm going to sit. Therefore, tell her to help me. What did Jesus say? Martha, I have nothing to tell her. What I have to tell is you. Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. What to eat, what to drink, what to wear. But one thing is needed. Not these things are not important. 
But if this one thing is taken care of, the rest will follow. What is that? Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Mary has learned to sit at my feet. Come to Jesus. What little you have, put into his hands and sit down at his feet. It's a spiritual act. It's a spiritual act done by two people. God does something, you and I have to do it. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, scripture says, God has raised up together and made us sit. That's what he has spiritually done. We are not standing up there in heaven. He says, sit down. Sit down. You may be restless on earth, but I see you seated in heaven. Sit down on earth. Don't stand up. I can handle your problems. I can handle your issues. But as long as you are standing, I cannot handle your issues. Because there is a dichotomy over here. You are sitting here and standing here. Sit down. We are seated in heaven. We are not standing up in heaven. The one who is standing up in heaven is Christ Jesus is standing up in heaven forever making intercession for the saints. The saints are seated in him. So he says, sit down. Why has he seated us? For what reason? Oh Lord, have you seated me? Verse 7 says, so that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. That's what he shows. Isn't that what we are learning? Did you see Abel? Yeah, he was seated. Did you see Enoch? Yeah, he was seated. Therefore, he walked with God. Did you see Noah? Yes, he was seated. Therefore, he worked without pressure for 120 years. Did you see Abraham? Yes. 100 years in the promised land. These were people who were seated. And to the ages to come, every age he will pick up and show the heavenly realms. This one, this one, that one, that one. They were seated. They were not restless. They were restless in the beginning, but they understood how faith works and they were seated. Therefore, I could work through them. There is rest in grace. Then only we can experience his kindness towards us. If you are restless, how can you experience his kindness? That's what Martha is saying. Martha, her words are saying, Lord, you are not kind. How can you let me work and allow her to sit like this? You're not kind. You're not a kind person. God says, Martha, unless you sit down, you will never experience my kindness. I am kind. The God of the universe is an extremely kind person. But to experience his kindness, we need to learn spiritually to be seated. That's what he's telling her. There is rest in grace. Give your little, whatever might it is, like the widow, to him. Sit down. Sit down. Take a good look up. Take a good look around. And then watch him carefully. Watch him carefully. What is he doing with what I gave into his hands? Matthew chapter 14 and verse 19. He commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves. First he took my little. Then he looked up to heaven and he blessed it. He took it, he also looked up and he blessed what I gave into his hands. Then he broke it and then he gave the loaves to be distributed. Do you see that? 
He also looks up. He was not looking at the birds of the air. He was looking at his father. So the little didn't matter. Can you believe today? The little you put into his hands, he's going to look up and he's going to thank his father for that. Thank God. Do you really see that? For Chandana's 10 rupees, Jyoti's 10 rupees, Deepika's 10 rupees, maybe Peter's 100 rupees. I may not know, he knows. He takes those 10 rupees, looks up and he blesses it. And he says, it will meet every need of the church for this month. Because I will multiply it in the bag. Because you put it into my hands. And what little it is, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That's how this church has run for 10 years. It doesn't matter. Sometimes you think, I gave only little. But be careful where you give it. Put it into his hands. He broke it. Gave it to the disciples. Disciples the crowd. And God's food chain has begun. Right? Powerful, symbolic thing that is happening over there. It's a real miracle, but also very powerful. This is how God has worked from age to age. Scripture says in verse 20, they all ate and they took up 12 baskets full of leftovers. Everybody ate. Everybody ate. Try this. Test him. Month after month after month after month of your life, you will always see at the end of the month there will be some left. Test him. What was on our part? Put it into his hands. And receive it back from his hands. What did we do? Put it into his hands and take it from his hands. The rest was his. And we find it so difficult. Why? Because we struggle to put it into his hands and we struggle to sit down in faith and allow him to do the miracle. We like Andrew and Philip start taking our calculators and start worrying. How will I meet my need? How will I pay my child's fees? How will I pay the rent? How will, how will, how will? Then if you are a believer, then what you do is you start sending hidden messages on WhatsApp. Pray for this need. No, we don't do that. We don't do that. We don't have to do that. You put it in your father's hands. Father knows your need. He says, even before you ask, I know what you need. Faith works. And it works. What happened that day? They took five loaves, two fish, put it into his hands. He looked up to heaven. He blessed it, giving it thanks. He broke it. He gave it to them to back. It's multiplying. It's multiplying. It's multiplying. 5,000 men, women and children all ate and they were all filled. Fast forward now. If you have a remote, fast forward to a few months ahead or a year or two ahead. To Luke chapter 22 and verse 19. Same procedure. Last supper. And he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. And he gave it. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
nothing different order is the same exactly the same they brought the bread put it into his hands he took the bread he blessed it he broke it and he gave it to them that's why it's important to understand why this miracle is there in the bible years and years and years and years later when he will use that man called apostle paul to establish doctrine in the church paul will write to the corinthian church in first corinthians chapter 11 he will say first he will tell them don't fight over this sit down you have to read the whole chapter you're not understanding what this means sit down and then he says for i received from the lord that which i also delivered to you that the lord jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks and he had broke it and said take and eat it order never changes because it's more than a physical action it is a spiritual order of god how god uses people and god uses things in his kingdom we first give it to him he takes it he blesses it he breaks it and he gives it back to us and it meets our needs what did he say this is my body this is my body did you see that did you see the sign Did you see the sign of the bread? We worry about bread. God says, "Don't you understand bread? When I created humanity and I know you all fell, I gave you a sign. I caused you to hunger and I caused you to thirst. And I said, man shall not eat by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God." You know what bread was? It was a physical symbol of Christ. And what was your thirst? It was a physical symbol of the spirit of God. Did you see the signs? Your daily every human being on every part of the planet needs two things. He needs bread, he needs water. He said, "Did you see the sign? It was my son and my spirit." Do you hunger after my son and my spirit or do you hunger after food? Did you see it? Or did we miss the sign? Are you worried today? Are you downcast today? You know scripture. You understand scripture. And everything has happened also according to scripture, but you still are not able to believe. I know you know scripture. You know very sky fair ask questions you are able to tell answers. That is that means you know scripture. When you hear the word of God, you get excited too. Do you know who we are like? We are like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Luke chapter 24 they are walking behold two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus which was 7 miles from Jerusalem and they talked together of all these things which had happened they were talking about what happened in Jerusalem talking and as they were talking the third one joined them so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew and went with them there were two on the road suddenly there were three but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him they looked at him they didn't know him do you look at him and not know him he said to them what kind of conversation is this that you're having you know he joins in bible studies and fellowship time what kind of conversation you're having as you walk and are sad say after the message you come down why are you looking so glum 
Why are you looking so sad? Next? Yeah. And they said to him, What things? So don't you know, are you the only one who doesn't know what happened in Jerusalem? <laughs> they are asking him, everything that happened in Jerusalem happened to him. And they are asking him, do you know? Don't you know what happened? He said, what things? So they said, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. You know what he's doing? He's checking. Did you understand what happened in Jerusalem? Who was the prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people? And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and to crucified him. But we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. He's looking at them and says, he's thinking everything I told you has happened and you still don't see. Why? Because your expectations when reading scripture was come some, something else. You didn't understand scripture. You know scripture, but you don't understand scripture. They are testifying with their own mouth everything he told them before death has happened. He died, he rose again. And still they are walking around glum. Sad. Interesting, right? They just didn't see it. Verse 25 to 27, listen to him. He said to him, oh foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. How difficult it is for you to believe what has been spoken. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses, that is where Genesis chapter 1. And all the prophets still Malachi. He expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Did you understand? So don't get upset with me. You get to my house, you come to me, you will always get a Bible study because I learned from him. And always I begin at Genesis. You ask Jesus anything, he will expound scriptures for you. He expounded bounded scriptures and showed them. He walked with them. He talked with them. He opened up scripture for them. Do you know what their response was? In verse 32. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke to us? Does your heart burn at times? I hope it burns at times. Not when you watch TV, but when you heard the word. Does it burn at times? You know scripture. You can quote all the events of the scripture. Your heart also burns when you hear the word of God. Your eyes are restrained. Eyes are restrained. He was actually passing away. They said, no, no, Lord, come with us. So he went in. Then he did something. He went in. The hearts are burning. The words are ringing in their ears. They have understood scripture. Then verse 30 scripture says, Now it came to pass as he sat down at the table with them, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it 
and gave it to them. And their eyes opened. They knew this is the bread that has come from heaven. That's when their eyes opened. Verse 31 will say, their eyes were opened. Can I have 31? Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. Unless you understand the sign behind the bread, you will never know him. That's why this miracle is repeated four times in all the Gospels. That's how you know what life is all about on earth. This is how God does things. He took the bread He blessed it, he broke it, he gave it, their eyes were opened, and scripture says everything changed for them. They had left Jerusalem, they had come to Emmaus, and they were planning to stay, it's already night, they were planning to stay, as soon as their eyes opened, Jesus disappeared, and verse 33 says, they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. Now that we have known him, we need to go back to where we need to be. The direction in life has changed. You know why your direction now, our lives don't change? Because we still haven't known him. We love him. We are worried about all the things that happen in our life because we don't experience him anymore. We know scripture very well. We have been expounded to year after year. But our direction is still somewhere else. Not where we should be. Why? Because we haven't known him through the breaking of bread. What did they see? They went back. The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. I pray today is during the breaking of bread, somebody will know him. Somebody will know him. This morning as we break bread, will we know him? Will we recognize him? That's why he said, do this in remembrance of me. He says, more than anything else, after you have come through all the other things, when you come to this, you have come through it the way you should come. He says, you will know me. That's why scripture is clear. When the church began, you will see they had teaching, they had fellowship, and they had breaking of bread. We'll come back to that later. We'll go to communion now. I would ask the elders to come, the worship team to come, and we'll continue part of the message after communion. But as we come, that's why it's called communion. It's interesting. What does communion mean? Communion means fellowship, oneness. The breaking of the bread is when the body of Christ becomes one with the head. The head becomes one with the body, knowing that we are one with him. This morning, we'll ask the Spirit of God to open our eyes that we might recognize him. It's not that he's not been there in our midst and he's not there in our midst today. It's simply that eyes have not been opened, that we may see him. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord.
I pray, Father, now has the bread and the wine, the symbols, the symbols, O Lord, the emblems that you have set before us, goes through the church. I pray, Father, today, there would be an opening of eyes that we would recognize you. We would see you in our midst. We would see you in each other. Many parts. One body in Christ. Help us, O Lord, now to recognize you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't miss the order in which God does things. He's a God of order and he does everything according to his order. That's why scripture says, who can understand his ways unless he reveals it to us. So we saw the pattern through scripture today. First he took it, then he blessed it, then he broke it, and then he gave it. And in the road to Emmaus, when they compelled him to be with him, they didn't recognize him through his conversation, through his teaching, though he was physically with them. It was when he broke the bread, their eyes were opened. They understood this is the real bread from heaven. In Acts chapter 2, when the church begins, scripture records how the church begins. They continued the new. Please be there, Peter. Okay, I will need you both, all of you. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread. First, they need teaching. Then they needed fellowship. The breaking of bread and prayers. Breaking of bread. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, divided them all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is how the church began. There was teaching. There was fellowship, there were miracles in their midst, and there was no lack. There was no lack, for they understood who was in their midst. They recognized him in their midst. You know, if you look at these verses, there is only one thing that is mentioned twice. In verse 42, scripture says, they continued steadfastly in the breaking of bread. In verse 46, Scripture says, they continued daily with one accord in the temple and in the breaking of bread. They recognized Christ in their midst. Question is, did we get the sign of the bread? You read scripture anywhere. Order has always been the same. He took a man called Abraham from the Ur of the Chaldeans. And he blessed him in Canaan. Then he broke him. 
by not giving him one thing that he wanted. That was a child. Then God gave him a child and used that child for God's glory. He took a man called Isaac from an old barren womb. He blessed him and he broke that young man on Mount Moriah and then he gave him back and he became the heir of the promise. Jacob did not know God. God knew Jacob. So when Jacob finally ran from his father's house, God took Jacob. He blessed him in Laban's house. Then he broke him at Peniel and continued breaking him through his sons and daughter. Then he gave him and he became Israel. Then he took his son called Joseph from the pit, blessed him in Potiphar's palace and broke him in the prison. And then he gave him to the world to feed the whole world. He took a man called Moses, took him out of water, blessed him as a son of Pharaoh, and broke him in the wilderness. And then he gave him into Israel to lead them out of Egypt. He took a son of Jesse. He blessed him with his spirit and with power. Then broke him in the wilderness. And then he gave him to Israel to lead him as their king. His pattern has never changed. Never, never changed. That's what he did with his son too. Took him from an ordinary woman's womb. Blessed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. Broke him on Calvary. And then gives him to us and says, partake of him every day and have life. God's pattern. He takes, he blesses, he breaks, then he gives it away. The question to the church today I have to ask is, where are you today? At the taking stage? At the blessing stage? At the breaking stage or the giving stage? The taking stage is very uncomfortable. That is why it's written, Abraham went without knowing where he was going. It's very uncomfortable when he takes you. The blessing stage is very interesting because you don't know where all these blessings are coming from. And the breaking stage is very painful. But scripture says, it's in the breaking stage they recognized him. You go through any man's life. It is on Mount Moriah when he was broken. He says, Jehovah, Jireh, I recognize you now, who you are. Ask Moses, did you recognize him in Egypt? Or did you recognize him at the burning bush when you were broken? Ask David, did you recognize him in Saul's palace? Or did you recognize him at Ziklag when you were broken? Many are not used because they refuse to be broken. When you look through scripture, God never uses anybody whom he has not broken. Whom he has not broken. One thing you need to know, if you look at the miracles, the miracle in the miracle, whether it was in the taking stage, or the blessing stage, or the breaking stage, the bread never left his hands. So it doesn't matter where you are, the bread never leaves his hands. His eyes are upon his people. We are safe in his hands. But God is saying, do you see me? For I am a giver. 
for God so loved the world. But he says, I couldn't give my son until I had broken him. That's why we sang that song. Know where that song comes from? It comes from Ephesians chapter 1. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give it to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding being opened, enlightened, you may know him. We may know him. We may know him. Don't be stubborn. Don't be stubborn. When God is trying to break us, don't be stubborn. He wants to break us because he wants to use us. And so many of the things that have happened in many lives here is because God said that's the only way I could break you. I know you are hard. You are stubborn. Saul could never be broken. So Saul could never be used. Never be used. I'm not talking about being used by the society. You may be a good doctor, engineer, teacher, whatever. I'm not talking about that. That is social factor. We are not talking, we are talking about in the, from the hands of a living God. From the hands of the living God, if you have to be used, you have to be broken. We have to be broken. Most people sitting here are broken by circumstances, but yet I believe not yet broken before God. Not broken before God. Broken by circumstances, but not broken before God. It's God who created that hunger and thirst in us. When God created man, he created a hunger and thirst in us and gave us two symbols. He gave us bread and he gave us water. That's two symbols. But we never understood what it meant behind it. Matthew 6 and verse 6. Jesus will say the great sermon on the mount. Oh, sorry, 5-6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. Bread and the water was a symbol for this. Question, God is asking us this. Do we really thirst for righteousness? These are just symbols. Water and bread are just symbols. Go back home and read Revelation 22, the last chapter in the Bible. You will see the bread that came from heaven is there in the midst of heaven. And from the throne room of God flows a river. The bread and the water. And no one will be hungry and thirsty anymore. That's what he told the Samaritan woman. He who drinks, John chapter 4 and verse 13 and 14, he says, He who drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. But along with that, he said something else in verse 13. He said, on the other hand, if you try to find your satisfaction from the things of this world, you will thirst evermore. You will thirst, not only here, evermore. In the parable of the Lazarus and the rich man, what is the cry from hell? I 
thirst. Thirst. Why? Why is he thirsty? Because he did not drink of this when he was on earth. I thirst. John 6.35 he says, He who eats, I am the bread of life, who comes to me shall never hunger. Never hunger. They're all on the sides. We have so many needs in our lives. But our primary need is none of this. Our primary need is righteousness. And primary need is righteousness. And God says, if that is what you are hungry for, you will be filled. That is what you are thirsty for, you will be filled. Right standing with God. That's righteousness. If that's what you are after, God says, you will recognize me. This bread will be broken before you every day. And as you go scripture, after scripture, after scripture, your eyes will be opened and you will recognize me. You're not studying for knowledge. You're not studying for wisdom. Or you're not even studying for understanding. You are receiving life. Because he said, my words are life and spirit to those who receive it. This becomes life. Because we recognize him. Because what we are seeking in our lives every day is righteousness. That's why he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and righteousness. Don't worry about what to eat and what to drink. He says, I know you need it. I know you need it. So this morning, the first Sunday of October, first day of October, let's stand, let's sing that song once again and ask God, Lord, open, help me to recognize you, Lord. Help me to recognize you. Help me to be content with you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you, I want to see you, to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory, pour out your power.
eyes of my heart I want to see you I want to see you Father this morning we just come to you Lord We know you are here We know you are in our midst I pray Father today Spirit would move among your people touch them Lord comfort your people As your word says so Lord if you did not spare your only begotten son for us the bread from heaven Every day Lord we will go home and we will break that bread and eat and drink of that cup without recognizing our oh, father that you allowed the body of your son to be broken and his blood to be shed that we might have eternal life we see that symbols on our dining table every day lord every man on every place on earth forgetting what god is trying to tell us through every meal my son was broken that you may have life And if he did not spare his only son how much more will he give us all things pray lord you will touch somebody today touch somebody today lord comfort them strengthen them let them know lord you are there they have not left your hands they may be at the taking stage they are safe in your hands they may be at the blessing stage they are safe in your hands They may be at the breaking stage they're safe in your hands only after they are broken and they have recognized you and known you then only you will release them into the world oh lord knowing that they can never be lost again That's what your apostle Paul said I know him Pray everyone here today everyone who hears this message will know you and then you will be released to feed multitudes oh lord multitudes help us to see what is so ordinary three times a day ordinary was what you said before us your son It was to walk in that boldness that confidence from knowing of a father we look up we see all of your creation about taken care of we look around and we see all of your creation take around therefore we willingly sit down at your feet this morning lord we sit down at your feet and we say lord feed us feed us oh lord let this one thing you said We know it will not be taken away from us. We will be seated in Christ. We'll have rest for our souls. We have needs, multitude of needs this month, but we know our Father cares for us. We know our Father will take care of all those needs. I pray Father even now those who are ill here not able to come, I pray Father you will meet them at that point of need. Somebody who is struggling for finances I pray father they will know you are there you will meet that need Somebody who is lonely 
broken. You are so close. I pray that person will know you are the one he or she needs. Because you are the bread from heaven. You are the rock that followed Israel in the wilderness. Whom God broke so that they wouldn't thirst. You are all we need. You are not just our provider. You are our provision. Father has given. Speak your peace. I speak your comfort. I speak your strength. When things happen all around the world and even in this nation, I pray nobody will be disheartened, but they will lift up their heads knowing the one who sent us out is the one who is coming back to take us. You have taken care of everything, Lord. You have taken of our past. You have taken care of our present. You have taken care of our future, even our eternity, Lord. Why should we be a people who worry? Peace. Speak your peace. Your comfort. Your strength. To every heart who is here. Touch us. Strengthen us. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Now by faith we lift up holy hands. And we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.